Hi, everyone. Looking forward to getting our new campaign underway. I'm your DM, John, and I'll be co-DMing with Danielle. Hi, everyone. Looking forward to getting our new campaign underway. I'm your DM, Danielle, and I'll be co-DMing with John. I, I, I just said that. Well, yeah, but if we're both running the game, we should both do an introduction. Fine. Oh, okay, fine. Go ahead and get us started. All right. Okay. You find yourself in a thick, overgrown forest. A chill wind is in the air with signs of early fall crusting. Nope. Nope. It's not early fall. This is a summer day. Maybe unseasonably cool, but not fall for sure. Okay. uh, That's fine. All right. A chill wind is in the air with signs of an unseasonably cool summer's day. As you look around, you see a small trail, and coming towards you on the trail is a very plainly dressed merchant. Nope, 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 nope. What now? He's garishly dressed. He screams color in a world of drabness of the forest around him. Plainly dressed doesn't do anything to describe him. Do you, do you just want to take over? No, 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 I think you're doing a great job. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about co-DMing, running games with other DMs. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And we want to start off by saying thanks to Derek for the episode idea. And Derek probably doesn't realize that he he gave me the episode idea because he had uh, reached out to me and we were chatting back and forth. Derek and I have I've played games together and, and, uh, and have known each other for a little while now. And he had asked me if I had done any co-DMing. And, um, and we talked a little bit and I thought it would be an interesting topic for the show. And so here we are. And, uh, and it was a pretty quick turnaround. So, so Derek, thank you very much. <laughs> so, um, Danielle, what are we actually talking about? What is this co-DM thing that, that, uh, that we're going to talk about today? Uh, well, what we are talking about is a method of running games where you share DM responsibilities, G- DM or GM, share DM responsibilities with someone else. So it's not just you behind the screen, sort of. Yeah, and I think that this is something that, that not a ton of DMs have have participated in. I, I know that I haven't personally. Um, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've known people that have, and I've talked to them. So I I have a little bit of exposure that way. But I I think that often enough for games, it is difficult enough to find just one DM to run the game, let alone (laughs) two to run the game. So uh, it it may not be something that you see very often. But I do think that there are some, some benefits and advantages of doing it this way that might get you able to have dms in your game that you wouldn't normally do and we'll talk about that here in in just a minute but i do think that like a big part of this is is there is some relinquishing of control if you are the if you've been the primary dm there is some relinquishing of control and 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 you do have to be prepared for that right oh absolutely every time i think about co-dming um, as much as I like the idea, and I do actually have some planned in the relatively near future, mm, I maybe shouldn't talk about it too much, but, uh, don't want to jinx it. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's a secret. It's going to be a really big surprise uh... for my players. I'll probably just say it anyways later, but, um, an important, uh, sorry, it's, it's, it's the giving up of control. And, uh, I do think about this every once in a while because I mean, my campaign I, I homebrew like everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> to, to just like hand that off to somebody and be like, all right, well, this thing I've been doing for three years. Um, yeah, you just just have at it. You know, players are already hard enough on a campaign, let yep. alone bringing another DM in. But but we'll talk well, about yeah. Well, even if you're even if you're at the beginning of a campaign where you're you're like fresh. It can still be hard because you have a certain way of doing things. You have a certain way that thing you're used to things being presented, and you're used to being in control of the entire ball. And yes, there are definitely advantages time-wise potentially to doing this, but it does take you being okay with somebody else kind of being in the in the kitchen, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. But it can it can come in handy. 
Yep. And and I will say that that it is kind of important to, to understand that there's no right way or wrong way to do this. I, I started out with just saying no right way, and, and that sounded like there's no way you could do this right. But it's no. impossible. <laughs> there's no one way to do it. That's that's the that's the appropriate <laughs> thing to say. There's no one way to do this uh, because everybody's personality is going to be different. Everybody's going to have a little bit different thought of what they want to get out of co-DMing uh, on both sides of the, of the co-DM uh, equation. And so we're going through this with a mind towards, here's some things that you probably need to consider, not a mind towards, if you follow these steps, you'll have a successful co-DMing experience. So there's yeah. going to be stuff that you're going to have to, <laughs> there's going to be stuff that you're going to have to f- define and work out with your, with your co-DM. And, and that's to be expected because nobody is the same, right? Yes, Absolutely. So then my question to you is why would somebody decide to do this? Why why would I why why would why would the the masses uh potentially choose to go the CoDM route? Jeez, you're asking all the tough questions today, Daniel. Yeah. That's <laughs> my job. <laughs> I I think that there's 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 several reasons. Um one that's fairly easy is is maybe you have a a DM at your table, or sorry, a player at your table who's thinking about getting into being a DM. They haven't gotten to the point where we talked about in our last episode of transitioning from player to DM. Um, they're they're still kind of thinking about it, but thinking that maybe they're not ready for it. Uh, this is a great way for them to step out of the player role and be a DM, but not having to take everything on. So, um. That I, I think that's that's a good reason, but I, I will also, if that's the reason, issue a word of caution, because if you are the if you are the DM that's taking on this co DM that that's not sure if they're ready to be a DM, I if you're not careful, you can get into the mindset of this is just my Sherpa. They're gonna do all the things that I don't want to do because they're like <laughs> they're trying this out and and getting their feet wet, so I'm gonna give them all the crap jobs. Um, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I do like that idea of, of bringing a player because I do have a couple of players who want to try DMing, but they're very intimidated by it because it is it's a relatively large undertaking, especially yep. if you've never done it before. But if if you don't treat them like a Sherpa, wait, it, I'm, I'm not going to use don't that word. To, because, you don't want to treat them like a like a like like. Uh, like the intern at the office who just gets you coffee. We'll we'll use yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I like to think of it as, as like uh, I'd be like their backup, right? And right. so it, when players ask them just off-the-wall questions, and I keep going back to this because this was like the, the thing that always sticks out in my mind because my players one day, they just wanted to talk to a field of wheat. And so they, they cast speak <laughs> with plants. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, guess what? Um, yeah, sure. I'm prepared to pretend to be 50 <laughs> stalks of wheat today. That was definitely pre-planned, you know, but I've got a lot of experience, you know, talking, I've talked as wheat, I've talked as oaks, um, lilies one day, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's something that you like build up. And if you're just there as like a backup and you guys had like some sort of hand signal or something when, you know, you're, you're, you're like superpower backup, like super experienced can jump in and just cover off a situation that maybe is getting under control or they're not sure how to deal with it. And you're just there kind of a, as like a resource instead. Yep. I've done a lot of talking as rats recently in my game. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one, one of the players has a has a hat that they can summon rats um, and, and they always want to talk to the rats. Uh, they send them off to look at things and come back and they talk to the rats. And so... The interesting thing is not just talking talking as the rat, but like trying to think about how the rat would explain these things. Yeah. Because that's part of the fun of it is it's not just like, oh yeah, I went in and there's three ogres and and there's a table with a bunch of treasure on it and blah blah blah. Uh, you have <laughs> you have to kind of <laughs> kind of talk like the rat would. Um, yeah. You're like, what's this rat's perception of what a table is? You know, what yes. would they even call that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was standing so, under the food dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are some other reasons why why somebody might do this, uh, Danielle? 
I think uh, probably one that might tempt people in uh, a lot of ways is that one or more of the DMs don't actually have enough time to take over all of the responsibilities of being a DM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah, there's especially if you're doing like a like a big build campaign. Like if you're just doing like, a, um, hmm, ooh, can't think of the word. The word for off the top of your head where you just you can improv. Join. Yeah, wow, what a what a bad <laughs> word to forget. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so if you're just doing an improv campaign, you probably there's not that much back end work. But sometimes there can end up being lots of back end work for for big story arcs and for big plans, and uh, a lot of that takes time. And if you don't have it, but and and if you have a group where you got two people who would be good DMs, but neither of them have the time to full commit. You could actually have both of them partially commit and uh, yep. still be able to get a game together. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Um, you still get the opportunity to use the skills of each DM uh, where maybe you wouldn't have gotten the chance to, to work with either of them if they were trying to run the game on their own. So I think that's a that's a great reason. Mm-hmm. So. I think another reason is is um, playing to each of the each of the DM strengths. So, and when I when I say strengths, when we talk about players and running games for players, we talk very often about um, what the players enjoy about the game. So, some players really like role playing. Some players like like uh, combat. Some exploration. Some like this intrigue espionage type game. And and we always talk about trying to structure the game in a way that, that works for them. Sometimes as a DM, the players are really going to like something that you don't really care for. Um, mm. Or they, they like everything equally and you still have that section that you don't really care for. So I, I think that if you can, if you can um, focus on the parts that you like... And some of it could be around running the game, but some of it could be around the stuff that leads up to it. And the stuff that leads up to it could be like writing story and the story hooks where maybe you've got somebody who um, doesn't necessarily actually want to be a DM, which is a weird thing to say here when we're talking about co-DMs, but they've got great ideas for story hooks. They've got great ideas for lore and and they don't want to necessarily write it as a novel because they want to have the players influence the world and stuff like that, but they don't want to run the game themselves. So if you are a, a DM, maybe even a new DM where, where you don't have, have the experience doing that, or you're a DM that just doesn't care for that kind of stuff, that actually might be a, a, a good way to do this. And, and my, um, my daughter actually, uh, has been playing in a in a D and D game where where they have two DMs and one of them runs the game and one of them writes the story. It's very much set up like that. Um, I thought it was interesting and weird, uh, but if, if it works for your for your group, then then great. It's like only one cook in the kitchen at a time, but there's still two of them. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and then so that's that's for the writing part. But then the other part is sections of the game. You you had kind of alluded to that, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I'll say for me, um, I'm I'm pretty confident that my strength as a DM, and I think it, that it's like this because I enjoy it the most, and so I'm more um, in, invested in it. But uh, I really love exploration and role play, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. Love doing it. Could do it all the time. But I am. I don't think that I'm actually that good at combat. And setting up like, and I'm not good at spooky. I'm not good at spooky and scary. <laughs> you will do all of the spooky descriptions and I will do all of the other descriptions. <laughs> yeah. And so I do have like a Codium thing set up. And if, if anybody that I know is listening to this, stop for like five minutes, two minutes, whatever. Um, but, and so I actually have enlisted my younger brother who only does spooky, scary things. That's like his his way of DMing. And mm-hmm. I have this one part of my campaign coming up that I really, really need it to be spooky and scary to make myself happy. And so I've actually enlisted him 
and I've told them, you know, these are the parameters. This is this is kind of how it has to come out the other side. Like these couple of things need to be met. This is how they're going to arrive there. And there's this big chunk that uh, I really need you to fill with spider webs if you could. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's going to come in and surprise everybody and and run one or two sessions with them. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about that is you realize this need for your game and you figured out how to fulfill that need that you knew that you couldn't couldn't do. And I, I think that this running sections of the game is really all about that. So I, I do think you have to start off being really uh introspective and understanding where you shine as a dm and where maybe you need some work as a dm and and if you've got somebody that you know that has opposite strengths um it might actually be a good a good setup and so i i think that that like the benefit here is let's say that we let's say that we didn't have just a section of story let's say that that somebody was really good at the role play exploration, somebody who was really good at the combat. What this means is that you, if you team up together, you've got this game that is all around really good now, instead of just really good at the parts that, that you're doing. So I, I think it's, I think it's really beneficial for your game, for your players, and all, and and can be very cool if you if you can make it work. Could you imagine though if you had one of your DMs who was just like the combat person and they just <laughs> they're just like really good at it and everybody all your players already have like this this little this little itch in their brain every time you say roll for initiative but that would start <laughs> happening every time that DM like opened their mouth they're like ah and <laughs> so so what you could do is instead of saying roll for initiative you could just get up and have the other DM sit down in your seat and it'd be like Oh, John's sitting down. All right, I'll roll for initiative. Yeah, they would just default <laughs> to picking up the 20. <laughs> um, I think that I think that one of the other ways that the the other reasons you can do this, talking still about kind of sections of the game that people can run, uh, I I I like the idea of having uh codiums add life to the NPCs because I, I'm sure that you've experienced this at some point. I know that I have where you've got multiple PCs in a room and they're talking to each other. And and part of this is because you want to impart some information in a different way to your party. Part of this is you're giving life to the scene. Um, part of this is like the players are also part of that conversation. And so they're all talking and you end up talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no easy way to put it. You end up talking to yourself. And, and, and so I sure the the players what when you do that are not looking at you like you're crazy because we're all having this shared drug free in the for, for a lot of cases delusion um um called role playing games. But at the same time, if you have somebody else, another DM that can take part of some of those NPCs and you can then talk to each other, uh, it can actually be really cool and have have that that layer. And and I've done some I've done some like this wasn't co-DMing necessarily. I wouldn't define it as co-DMing, but I've done some where I've had guests at the table that played an NPC and I would give them high level direction of where I wanted the conversation to go. And they just did the rest. And it was really fun. It was fun for me because while I knew where the where it was going to end up, I didn't under I didn't necessarily know the path it was going to take to get there in the conversation. So it was kind of neat to see. That would be fun. I think another benefit to having uh somebody else there to act as an NPC would be reducing the mental load in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not having to having to go. Okay, the personality <laughs> of this guy is this. Just focus on your own side of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you're not having to also like not just the conversation, but switching personalities. If you're using different voices, having to switch between these different voices. There's a lot of context switching that goes on when you're a DM running a a, a conversation between yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it can get a little bit, a uh, little bit interesting. I think that that's kind of some, uh, some of the reasons why I end up keep DMing. It's like these little mini games that I set up for myself. Mm -hmm. it's like, can you role play all four of these people at once with different accents? Turns out, <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Uh, Wait, they started out with different accents, but now they all sound the same. What is this? <laughs> They're all English. Yep. That's how it all filters out. Um, yeah. I like so, to it sometimes insert like more modern accent, like a like a, a New Yorker or something like that in, into the accent pool just to throw people off because they're uh, a lot of times in role playing games, people are expecting like the Scottish and the old English and stuff like that. No, this guy sounds like a like a guy from the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. I love doing that. I've got uh, I've got a list of like fifty um, accents and dialects that I'm like really good at, and I just I just grab one off the list and roll with it. They were talking with a Russian badger the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So another thing to or something that I think is uh, something worth paying attention to is the balancing of your schedule, right? Yep. Um, so it could, like, because right now we've kind of just been talking about both DMs kind of being there at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it could come down to, if I only have availability to do it, like, once every other month, and same with the other person, but we're we're off-ended, then you could still have a monthly campaign, and but literally switch DMs every, every time. Yeah, I think that this is... Um... This is an interesting way to do it. There are definitely some challenges, uh, and you need to make sure that that there's a good line of communication set up between the two DMs. And we're going to talk about communication here in a minute, because if you don't, and you're running the same campaign from month to month, you could be like, well, I don't know what happened over the past month. Guys, tell me what happened. And then you're relying upon the players to impart <laughs> what's going on, which is always iffy at best. Yeah, um, who knows? <laughs> so so I, I would say it's it's a challenge, but it's not an insurmountable challenge. No, I don't think it would be insurmountable. As long as as long as you and the other DM made sure to have time to to have those conversations, um, then it, it shouldn't get too bad. Yeah. Uh, I would say that, that for, for this conversation, we're primarily going to treat it as if you're running the same campaign because another thing that you could do if you really wanted to go this route is have two campaigns that run one every other month and have the, the players switch characters not probably the the most ideal situation for your players because then they have to remember every other month what happened two months ago but it is an option yeah that's true but you know if you were going to do that alternating campaigns you could still alternate the campaigns while also running kind of the same campaign Mm -hmm. by having like in your very first session session zero some sort of magical effects effect splits each character in two like or doubles them right fancy right and then you could and then you could actively split the two groups all your players you're, you're doing like a sli- you're doing like a sliding doors campaign yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy that'd be mm. fun i could see that being fun yep got big plans now <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that without two DMs. I'm just going to do it on my own. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. I could just do it by myself. <laughs> All uh, right. I think that yeah. I think that covers like the reasons why people might be doing this uh this co-DM thing. So let's let's maybe start getting into where to begin with all this. And I think that like so many other things that we talk about in role-playing games and in, I mean, in our episodes, is communication is hugely important. I would say that it is the linchpin of having a successful co-DM experience because if you don't have communication, it all falls apart and then nobody's having fun and you're wasting more time than you would have if you'd just done it on your own. <laughs> yeah, in a in a very big way, it could get extremely confusing um, very quickly, especially if uh, especially if your players aren't uh, like it's, if you're not telling your other DM kind of what they're walking into mm-hmm. uh, and giving them a very clear idea. You could also, in theory, have players who aren't entirely truthful, whether yep. that be 
um, a cho a choice by them to be, you know, not truthful or just uh, not remembering correctly. Yeah, because there's there's both, and you'll, I mean, as a DM, you will run into players that that feel like they have to quote unquote win the game, and and so I've I've seen players that have have cheated. Um, I never understood it, but. <laughs> But I, I have seen players that have cheated, and but I, I think more often than not, I've seen a lot of players that just forget stuff. Yeah, I think people tend to forget stuff in a big way sometimes. Yep. So I think um, as much like communication is is a one, it's right up there, and part of that communication, and I think that this is probably the most important part of it and it's the place to start is to set very clear like have a serious discussion with your codem about the expectations on who's doing what and yep. at what point who's stepping in where and if you set up basically the rules of engagement prior to to kind of having it all go down um i think everything would go a lot smoother and everybody would have a clear idea going into it you wouldn't get you know three sessions in and all of a sudden, one of the DMs says, well, I'm doing this or I'm setting this house rule. And uh, and it wasn't discussed ahead of time. And the other person's just not okay with it or it ruins their plans that they had. Um, definitely better to get all that stuff out in the open to start with. Well, and our opening skit kind of kind of exhibited that. Yes, we, we did it in kind of an over-the-top humorous <laughs> fashion. But the, you can have, if you don't have clear clear definition of this is what you're responsible for this is what i'm responsible for then you both will end up thinking that you're responsible for this thing that that maybe neither of you had definition to be responsible for so i do think it it um it makes sense to not only define areas of responsibility but um how responsibility gets defined when you uncover something that maybe you hadn't thought of before yeah, you're definitely going to want to make sure to have as many. You you need to have as many of your bases covered as possible because no matter what happens, you're going to run into a situation where both of you go, "Oh, we forgot about that." Because yep. I forget about stuff in my own campaign, and I'm I'm at no point in time thinking that someone else is going to do it for me. <laughs> it's yeah. like, ah, don't worry, sleepy Danny will make the NPC for tomorrow. No. It's it's just got to be me, and uh, and you really got to be on top of that. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe... You just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Well, and I think that I think that in addition to kind of who, who, who's responsible for what, it helps to understand what the other DM is expected to do when it's not their quote-unquote turn. So if we go back to the what we we're talking about, where, where somebody's responsible for story and somebody's responsible for running the game, if you have a setup like that, um, what's the expectation when the person that's responsible for for story is not working on story and the game is being run? Is there an expectation that they're going to be there observing the table? Uh, is there an expectation that maybe they can play in the game? I don't think that's such a great idea, but if you think it works for your table, that's fine. Um, are they even expected to be in the room? And and I, I think that these are really important to uh, avoid 
I'll say hurt feelings, uh, but mm-hmm. avoid like get people getting upset because they feel like you're not pulling your weight or whatever. Because if you don't, if you don't define this, then the expectation is ultimately going to be, well, I, I expect that you're going to be there while I'm running the game because you need to see the stuff and make some decisions later on or whatever. And I don't want to have to communicate that to you. And maybe your expectation is like, look, I'm writing the story. I don't need to be at the sessions. Just tell me what went on and I'll, I'll, I'll go from there. And so if those expectations don't line up, um, people are going to, people are going to get upset. People are going to, you're going to get, uh, tempers raised and, and stuff like that. So just define it beforehand so that it doesn't, uh, doesn't come up. Yeah. I keep thinking about that that uh if if they could actually play in the game if they were writing the story. And yeah, I don't think that I would allow that. <laughs> I, I, I actually like I keep thinking about it and I keep like violently switching camps in my head. I'm like, no, 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 they absolutely couldn't. But and then I'm like, Oh, they absolutely could. But and I can't I actually I'm not sure. I think it would come very, very heavily down to who the player was and who the who the DM was. I think in in my mind, rather than having them play as a player in the game, have them operate as an NPC uh, or multiple NPCs. NPC for sure. That like I would 100% be good with like the NPC or the observer um, role. Because as as an NPC, you 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 can have the 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 DM running the game answer for them if you're like, yeah, they don't have that information for you. Um, to to just avoid having these conversations where where the players keep on asking the NPC about like the clue that we found here. What do you know about this NPC? This looks familiar to meet you, doesn't it? No, they don't know anything about this. They've never seen this. Why would they know this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could get dangerous. So yeah. then, if uh, so, if they're asking, and you've got two DMs at the table, right? Um, who gets the final say? Well, me always. Oh, okay. <laughs> and see, it's it's important that we cleared that up. <laughs> no, that's that's a great question, and I think it's it's very important to define uh, who has the final dis- final say, right? Yeah, it would be. It, it's definitely part of the first conversation that you have with your co DM, because no matter how friendly you are with them and how on the same page, there is going to be a point where you just have a difference of opinion. Hopefully it's not to the point where you're just so pissed off at each other that you're, that you're yelling or whatever. Hopefully it's just like you have a difference of opinion. You think, think one thing should go a different way and they think it should go to go a different way than you. Um, and, and I, I, I think because that is, guaranteed i would say it's guaranteed to it happen is. at some point yeah. uh you do need to ha- define how you resolve conflicts uh for for in-game conflicts as well as out-of-game conflicts and I, I think you you your your ways to do that changes so like for in-game conflicts what do you see as as ways that we could deal with that and why is it different than than out of game well, uh, the the easiest one for in game is the one that you started with, which is just John is always right. Just he always gets the final say, no matter what happens, um, and that's one option. Another thing that I I like, I can't remember. I saw this on a TV show. It was between like a married couple or something, but I loved the idea, and I've packed it with me for like the rest of my life. Is uh, is is a token, like a decision token. So basically, what would happen is if John and I were co-DMing, if I'm holding the token, then if a, if something comes up, it defaults to me because I have the token. But then I have to give it to John, so then the next time it happens, it's John's turn. And so you just keep that token with you, it gets passed back and forth. It could get passed back and forth eight times in a game, or no times for three games, it kind of just depends on what's going on. But then you always have somebody who gets the final say because they have the token. And then you just pass it off to the other person because you you used your your token. 
It's that's interesting. You you said you said token, and and my mind immediately went to oh, we're just we're just gonna flip the, this coin in the middle of the game, and whoever's <laughs> whoever's picture comes up on the top of the coin, they get to decide that time. You I, could I think, also do that. Yeah, I I think that your way is a lot better though. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do think that, that you can implement that in a couple of different ways. So you can do it by decision to where you're you're literally, I made the decision, I'm handing it off to you. You could do it by session, like I'm making the decisions for this session and then I'll hand it off to you for the next one. And, and I, I would say, however you do it, the key part of the, of the in-person game conflict resolution that you need to keep in mind is it needs to be quick. It needs to mm-hmm. be something that prevents you and your co-DM from getting into this big argument in front of your players. You're derailing the game. You're making them, frankly, uncomfortable. And and you're just wasting time that everybody could spend playing and having fun, probably over a decision that, that has hopefully minimal importance. <laughs> Hopefully, but and that's it's a it's a sticky spot to get stuck in, right? Where and I, I find sometimes for myself it can just happen so naturally where I'm like, yes, it is. No, it wasn't. Yes, it is. No, it wasn't. And then before you realize it, it's been like five minutes, and you're still deliberating on on a on how tall a cow. If it is. was rainy, <laughs> yeah, and it's some something arbitrary, but it starts off really arbitrary, and then. And and it never really mattered to start with, not yep. not truly, not for the amount of game time that's dedicated to it, especially considering how, um, like the A one issue with tabletop role playing games across the world. Last I read, the the biggest issue that people run into is scheduling, getting together, and so the last thing that you ever want to do is to is to play into that difficulty and waste the precious time that we get. Yep. And I think that when we move on from there and we talk about out-of-game conflicts, you're less worried at that point about how much time you have. I mean, yes, there, there, is, a, there is a limit of time. But, but if you get into a 30-minute into a argument about something out of game, it's probably not going to impact the actual game itself unless you just really hold a grudge and and bring it to the game against the other dm uh, um so your your conflict re- resolution mechanisms uh should change and should be more adjustable to to allow for both sides to air their side so you can have a conversation about it rather than it being like i throw down the law and and that's it um I, I think that that's kind of the key difference between that that in-game and out-of-game conflict resolution is just the time allows you to have a little bit more of a dialogue out-of-game. As long as both of the DMs are willing to actually have a dialogue and not just have a fight. Mm-hmm. It also gives uh, both parties uh, some out-of-game time to to just think on it and stew on it. Mm-hmm. Because I know, like, for me, my thought process is when I'm DMing and I've got five players around the table and and things can just start coming at you so fast and you're just answer, 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 and you're just flying them out. And uh, and you don't ever really, like, I try, I actually, I actively try not to take too much time and even internalize most of the questions. I just say whatever happens on the tip of my brain to start with. And I just spew that out because it keeps the game going. And, uh, and to die on a hill that you didn't even think about is uh, probably not the best choice. Yep. And, and I think the last thing to say about conflict resolution is you may decide to have different conflict resolution uh, mechanisms based upon the roles you've handed out. So if you've, we're going to keep on focusing on this just because this is apparently what we do. We pick (laughs) one example and we stick to it. If you have, if you have somebody that's responsible for story and somebody that's responsible for session, then that's a real easy conflict resolution mechanism. Okay. He's responsible for story that means he's the final word on this. Sure, you can have conversations around it, stuff like that. But if he says, no, this is not going to happen, that's it for the story. Uh, likewise, if, if the game is being run a certain way and, and, and 
and she's got a certain way that she's running it, but the other DM doesn't like that. Well, yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> um, I, I do think that, that it makes sense to have a little bit of flexibility there. And, and so it's not just like I shut you down for everything that you say. I think it, it makes sense to have have some conversation because I don't have all the best ideas. Um, mm-hmm. There are definitely other best ideas out there. So why wouldn't I listen to somebody else and and at least consider it? Sure, in the end, I may decide that's not the right idea for this, and I'm not going to move forward that way. But at least I gave it a moment to to think about it. Mm-hmm. Double the brain power, double the fun. Yep. Right? Yeah. So let's move on, like outside of conflict resolution, and, and continue talking about this communication stuff that we need to do as as co DMs. Uh, what's the, what's the next thing we need to tackle here? Um, I think that the next thing that you guys, well, it, it, the co-DMs need to discuss is the timing and commitment expectations, you know. So with players, if someone is missing regularly, you can typically move on and even eventually ask them to leave, maybe if it happens a little bit too often and it's kind of interrupting the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to kind of... I think I think at the table everybody has like a general idea of of how that's going. It's a little bit more tricky to do that with somebody who's part of running the game. Yeah, and and I I think that the impacts could potentially be be larger when they're missing because sure you could continue the game because you you're still half of this DM team, but ultimately something that that the two of you had planned out is now probably not going to happen the way you thought it would. Yeah. And your players, right? They're thinking, don't worry, Sean's not here. We can do whatever we want to the town guard. There will be no combat. (laughs) 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 Um, But, but I I think that the um, timing and commitment, (laughs) the other thing to think about here is it extends beyond just the game sessions because you are, as co-DMs, going to have to do some planning together. You're going to have to do some work. And even if you're not doing it in the same room at the same time, there's stuff that, that you're going to do and there's stuff that I'm going to do. And and at some point, they're going to come merge together to make this beautiful symphony that we call D&D or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and, and so there there are going to be some commitment expectations that need to be set for outside the game too. It's not just like, Hey, are you going to, are you going to show up to the game? Yes. All right, good. We're done. It's also, Hey, are you going to, are you going to be able to get this story hook done by our, by X amount of time before our next session? Cause I need to review it and make sure I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Okay. What are we going to do then? <laughs> yeah. You need to there. You, you definitely would want to get some sort of commitment on, at what point in time you guys are talking about it. Because you can't just have both DMs show up and say, I made half and I made half, and then just try to mash them together during the session. Um, I think uh, it could be funny, but it also probably <laughs> isn't going to work. <laughs> Not very well. Yeah, it's it's a lot more difficult to... I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a lot more difficult to have a fully improv session if you have two DMs that are that are doing it, yeah, I think it would get uh, it would get a little bit crazy because I I always know like for me as the DM like it's actually not something that I've really thought about that much because as the DM I know one hundred percent that if I cancel the whole game is over because right. my players I mean they could get together and like play cards or talk about the characters or something but they can't really interact with the game because it it's rattling around in my head. Yep. But then if only half of the game is gone. I guess it it would really depend on the role that that other DM was doing, and the, well, the point at which the game you're in. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're kind of jumping into exactly what we, we we wanted to talk about next is is um, you do need to set up ground rules. You do need to set up expectations, and those ground rules can be around attendance, which we've been talking about, like what what should be our expectation of of time per week per month, whatever. 
of planning, of sessions, of out-of-sessions interactions with players. Because as we mentioned in our last episode, a lot of DMing comes down to dealing with a, a player that wants to reach out to you in between sessions because either they have something that they want their character to do or they're pissed off about about another player and what they did in the last session or whatever. But having having those expectations set for those things and then also understanding what happens in-game if a DM is missing. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe how you run your game, there's flexibility enough. Cause if we do like the story versus session, then as long as the story is fairly well set, then you should be, should be fine to continue running the session. Or if you've got some planning ahead, uh, where you've got some pre-built little side quests that you could just easily slide in there even if that person was a part of the of the normal session you could potentially have an have an alternate so to speak yeah i like that idea just kind of having a couple of uh backup plans set up just in yep. case because it, it does suck to have to cancel especially um like like we said before it's scheduling is so hard to do and when you finally have everybody together um, to have to cancel it for any reason just sucks. Yep. But depending upon your setup and your relationship and how the game runs and what everybody's comfortable with doing, that could be the, the result that you might have to do if, if the other DMs doesn't show up. You may have to end up canceling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're depending on how you're doing it and, and like I said, where you are, um, it could just be a flat cancel. But you know that's and that's not the that's not the end of the world, obviously, because um, sometimes as the DM, like I've had to cancel before, and at that's no matter what, when you're a solo DM, that's a guaranteed stop. So it's it's not the end of the world if it does cause a full session stop. Um, but it would be cool if there was backup plans or a yep. way to go around it. Yep, planning is 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 uh, definitely a, a good way to approach it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of planning. Uh, another thing around, around (laughs) timing and commitments that, that I, I do think it makes sense to discuss, especially at the beginning of this arrangement is what are the conditions for breaking up the co-DM relationship? And whoa, oh, you're talking about breaking it up and we haven't even started yet. Oh my gosh, John, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I know it, it seems, it seems weird to do that when you're just getting started, but it's a lot easier to do that at the beginning than it is when you're pissed off because your DM partners missed four out of the last six sessions or whatever. And, and you're then emotional and you're pissed off and you're just like, I'm going to kick them out the door. And whereas maybe in your, in your conditions that you define beforehand, maybe that is the condition for kicking the person out the door, or maybe there's some other, other things that have to happen first, whatever it may be, having it defined first rather than doing it in the heat of the moment is always going to get you a, I think a better result. Absolutely. And it also has the sideline benefit to, to having this conversation where I would say something like John, just so you know, that if you miss um, f- four sessions in a row or something like that, um, I I think that I should just take over and then at that point I'd like us to separate or whatever. But it, it, it also lets you know, okay, so um, she is expecting me to show up to X amount. This is something that, that they're hoping for, expecting, um, that they need, right? Whereas if I hadn't said it, and and set it up as as part of the guidelines, he might not have ever realized that that was something that I cared about. Yeah, and I think that um, you you kind of hit on something that's pretty important. There is that just like we mentioned about somebody that's considering moving into the DM role, being brutally honest with yourself and and understanding what time you actually have and whether you actually have time for the game. It is doubly as important when you're doing co-DMing because not only are you running a game, but you are running a game with somebody else who has expectations that the game is going to keep running. And so if one or both of you don't actually have the time that you you have convinced yourself that you do, it's not good for anybody. So um, 
I, I think that's the other benefit of having this conversation is to make sure that like, as you said, when, when you say, listen, if you miss this many in a row, you're out. That makes me think, well, hold on. Am I going to ever miss any of that in a row? Can I really make them as much as they want me to? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should back out of this if I can't. And, and so it gives, it gives that opportunity, I think, at that point as well. It absolutely does. And it, and it's so good to bring this stuff up in the forefront because it's better that two DMs get together and uh, they come up with this, this, they spend two hours coming up with this masterful plan and then they have this discussion and then both of them end up sitting there with a cup of tea going, yeah, I, I don't actually have time for this. Do you? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just not tell anyone we did this. You know, sip their tea and just kind of move on. It's better than trying to set up a bunch of scheduling and, and, and finding a bunch of players only to have everything come crashing down. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and you mentioned the, if you miss this meeting in a row, but you could also have, if you miss this percent of, of sessions. So maybe you're, you're looking for like a 70% commitment or whatever. So if you miss four out of 10 sessions, well, Hey, you're, you're at that number. You're, you're done. Um, whatever, whatever the, the way of saying this is not what I will accept, you have to define that and, and it may be a negotiation. You may say, I won't accept this. And they say, well, what about this, this, and this? How about we change that to this number? And and that's okay to have that negotiation um, as long as you end up with with some, with some an agreement that, that you both are, are on board with. Yeah. And you could uh, you could um, bring the players in on it. You could give them all those, uh, you know, those buttons that they have on American Idol. And you push them and the big X lights up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, yeah. So if you're co-DMing, I think uh, the like one of the other things that you guys need to kind of have a conversation about is uh, how you guys are going to communicate. Because it's, it's one thing if you live like your next door neighbors or you live like a block away or something. And you can get together and, and sip on that sweet, delicious tea. But <laughs> in this episode of Becoming DM, we learn about how Danielle likes tea. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. And, but otherwise, like how, like, are, do you just, is everybody filling out loose leaf? Are you, are you packing it around in a knapsack, backpack, bag of some sort? And you like toddle over to your, to your friend's house and you're like, oh, I drew up this, I drew up that. You know, is that how you guys are planning on, on, you know, building the campaign or are you going to do it in another way? How are you guys going to be communicating? How are you guys going to keep track of what's going on? How, how are you going to have access to the session notes that happened last week? Yeah. And I think that, I think that, uh, I know that you prefer paper note taking, um, Danielle, but I think that this is one of those cases where using a digital tool of some sort where where you can share the notes and and either party can see them at any time either party can add to them uh really makes sense because if you're carting around that backpack full of loose leaf and (laughs) and stuff like that it goes back to the the if you can't make it to a session well all of the notes go with you if they're all in the loose leaf instead of on some sort of shared platform so um, I do think it. I do think that it makes sense to to use that here, even if you're just really into the paper. And I, I like keep keeping notes on paper, but at the same time, um, if I'm collaborating with somebody, like like on this show, uh, we share our notes in a in a shared uh, shared platform. So I think that it it makes sense to do that. It does, and and if you are a really diehard paper fan, like some of us, uh, Rocketbook, haha. Because I can just I can still do the paper and then it it does the internet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing to consider is is maybe a some sort of campaign management tool. And I know we talked recently how we have an episode coming up on campaign management tools, and we will be talking about that very soon. We're in the in the planning stages because we're going to have a guest host, mm. and so uh, so should be exciting, fun times. So stay tuned for that, <laughs> and we'll get into a little bit more details on on some campaign management tools. But having some sort of shared tool that you can 
again, this goes back to session notes. It goes back to world notes and like happenings, what happened in, 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 in things that you need to keep track of, stuff like that. So, yeah, I actually think it would be mayhem to try to do this with loose leaf. FYI. Um, so I think that's communication. Uh, the next little area that we have is just kind of a reminders to people that are considering doing this and, and I'll get us kicked off there. And I think we've, we've kind of hit on this some over the last couple of things we've talked about. Um, while being a co-DM can take some DM responsibilities off your plate, it's not going to cut it in two. It's, uh, it's, it's just because, as we said, there's a lot of other things that you have to do. You have to communicate with your partner. You have to make sure you're taking notes so that everybody's on the same page. And and so even though it's it's taking workload off of you in the in the grand scheme of things, it's also adding some some work back on. And hopefully that that added back work is is not as much or more as what you got taken off. It it shouldn't be, but it's just something to keep in mind. It's not just, it's not slicing in and two and saying, Oh, done. We're, we're ready to go. Yeah. It's, it's definitely never going to be half the work. If anything, in addition to the, the additional communication, it could actually end up leading to, to an even greater amount of work because each party is going to bring awesome ideas to the table. And then yep. you're going to have to try to thread both sets of those awesome ideas into the campaign because I have always had my own ideas and you've got your own, but you are not me. You're you're never if we're co DMing, you're never going to be a direct copy of me. You come with your own ideas, your own personality, right? I, th- I think yeah, yeah, you got personality. And uh, sometimes and- <laughs> on Fridays for sure. <laughs> oh, good, good. And uh, and all of that has to mesh together, right? And it, it adds this huge boon of getting all of this extra input on the game. But like you said before, it adds that additional effort to, to communicate with happening to um, kind of blend those, those all seamlessly together to create an amazing experience for your players. And, and you said something there that just made me think of something as well. Um, Is it cheese I, I think, whiz? Cause that's what no. I thought about. cheese whiz guys Uh, no no, I was thinking you were talking about like you both have all these awesome ideas I think there's also a little bit of an ego check that needs to be done as part of this because because when you are doing all your own stuff you can certifiably say I've got all the best ideas for this campaign because they're all your ideas and nobody else is providing the ideas for the campaign if you're running with someone else, I think you have to put your ego in check and understand that not all of your ideas are as awesome as you think that they are. And sometimes they're not good. And having a DM that you're working with, if if like you've got a good working relationship, they're going to tell you, listen, Danielle, I, I know... <laughs> I know you think this like <laughs> unicorn vomiting badger is 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 an awesome thing for a thing. It just doesn't work for the campaign we're trying to run here, and and being like, okay, yeah, I get it. So so you do need to to be okay with criticism to some extent if you're if you're both contributing to story and stuff like that because because you're right, you'll you both will have good ideas, but you both will have bad ideas as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely need to be open to take that criticism. But it would be nice, though, to have because I've had, uh, quote, unquote, good ideas, and I was super excited about them. And then it, it was not a good idea. And I did it. And I realized in the moment when everything crashed and burned around me, that it was, in fact, a bad idea. And having a co DM in that instance, who could have stepped up and been like, hey, um, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you. I don't know what you're doing here, but uh, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna go well. That would be nice. Um, saying that I had the ability to check my ego and acknowledge that they were probably correct. Yeah, I, I think that's that is a a the the flip side of the coin is if you are willing to take the the criticism and you're willing to hear out hear out, then it can then it can actually make sure that you're putting forward the best possible story um, based upon the, the, the uh, convergence of these two. Um, And you're throwing out the stuff that really does kind of (laughs) suck. 
I think it could be could be a pretty great thing. Yep. I think the last thing to remember is the codium isn't a copy of you. And I, I think a lot of people, whether they're codiuming or they're just dealing with just random people, have a habit of just thinking everybody is like me. They they have the same preferences, they have the same opinions. And those people that don't, they're just crazy. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I do think it's important to note that no matter who the Codium is and no matter how much alike they seem they are to you, they are not you. They're not a copy of you. So they're, they're going to have different personality. They're going to have different ways of approaching the game. And you need to make sure uh, that before you get into a Codiuming relationship with them, that those personalities mesh enough. I'm not saying find somebody that's just like you because I, I do think that there's benefit benefit in having different people pair up on this, like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we want to make sure that you don't hate each other or that you don't have like personality ticks that you're just gonna drive you nuts. <laughs> um so I, I think that there's there's almost like an interview process like you would maybe for a new player. But it's probably a little bit more intensive because you're going to do a lot more, uh, spend a lot more time with them potentially. Yeah, I would imagine you'd spend way more time with them. So I think that's what we had uh, to talk about, about co-DMing. Anything else you wanted to to add? Nope. All right. Well, if you are considering co-DMing, best of luck to you. uh, As I said, there's some really interesting stuff that you can do with it. And I think it can make for some some interesting things as long as you do a little bit of prep work, a little bit of making sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, but uh, best of luck if you are doing that. And until next time, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.